Broadcasting live at the Wisconsin State Fair, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Rue for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. It is day one of the Wisconsin State Fair. We're broadcasting live. It is a Chamber of Commerce Day. And just to prove that we are really live here, give yourselves a round of applause, everybody. Okay. We, we, we don't want you to think that we don't want everybody out there who's listening to think that, you know, this is something made up like the landing on the moon or anything like that. We are we are here. I absolutely love the State Fair. This facility brings back just all sorts of memories. I've been broadcasting live here for like going on 20 years. And, and whenever I walk in here, I just j- just immediately next door to where we are is the Budweiser Pavilion. And I always remember Mel- Melissa Barkley, who's here there. For years and years, a staple at the Budweiser Pavilion was a guy named Tom Green, who was actually a classically trained musician, but he was an Elvis impersonator. And he was out here. He would do this gig at State Fair Park. He was here like three or four days, and he'd, he'd, do, he'd do all the Elvis stuff. And his and name's Tom Green? His name is Tom Green. Right. Sometimes people would get confused with the guy from MTV. I was going to say, Green. the guy no, no, no. that was married to Drew Barrymore. The guy who was, right, <laughs> no. who had a cup of coffee. It was for like a Not year. Him. Was, right. No, but, and, and Tom Green passed away a few years ago, but he was just an incredible entertainer. And what we would always do on the first day of the fair, and then back then I had a Saturday show too, he would come over in full Elvis regalia, and he'd sit where you're sitting right now, and we, we'd do these, these interviews and stuff, and just a fascinating guy, and it just, whenever I come and I sit here, I just think back on all the memories behind, we, there's a little area back here that, that the general public can't see. I remember one year, one year at the fair, it was, gosh, it had to be 110 degrees out here. And I, I walk in the back door, and there's Jonathan Green, WTMJ legend. And Jonathan Green is laying on this floor back here, on, on the carpet. Is he sleeping? Floor. Well, I, I wasn't sure. I, w- I mean, I was hoping he, he had clearly been a little bit overcome by the heat. And he was just, like, laying down to catch his breath and stuff. And I remember walking in, and there's John Green laying on the floor. And that was before they changed the carpet. It was kind of, eh. And I'm like, John, are, are you okay? And I'm thinking, okay, well. <laughs> Do I need to do CPR right, or anything? Exactly, yeah. Right. <laughs> You're right. like, I'm not it's going not, there. It's not going to be mouth to mouth. I guarantee you on that. But, you know, but it's just it's so many memories. We are going to be broadcasting during the run of the fair. I'm going to be here um, every weekday today, it's a little bit of a shorter show because we um, we've got a Brewers game coming up right after two o'clock. But if you're out and about between noon and three, be sure and come out and say hi. Would love to have an opportunity to talk to you. All right, let's get started. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. I sent a link to a story that I saw last night and this morning on Channel Twelve, and it really encapsulates. I think one of the issues that we're going to be facing, particularly this summer, around Milwaukee, and that has to do 
with the fact that we've been invaded by, right now, these Lime scooters. You know, we've talked about this before. The Lime scooters are the electric scooters, and what happens is you download an app, you find, like, a scooter on the street somewhere, you put in your information, you activate the scooter, you hop on, it's like a buck to activate it, and then it's like 25 cents a minute or something like that, and people ride around on these things. And they look like they're a lot of fun, The problem is, as they've rolled them out in other cities, they've had nothing but problems. First of all, you have people who don't know how to ride the scooters in the first place. That's bad. Secondly... There is, even though it's recommended, there's no requirement that people wear helmets. So, you know, you're tooling around at 15 or 20 miles an hour, you know, on, on city roads. You're interacting with bicycles. You're interacting with pedestrians crossing the street. You're interacting with cars. Well, bad things can happen with that. But the real interesting thing, and this is what kind of struck me on, on the Channel 12 report, and their, their, poor, their report is, okay, these Lime scooters are here. People are driving around. So I'm watching all the video, and I swear, about... I want to say about three-quarters of the people that they show riding these scooters, and they're riding them pretty quickly, they're riding them on the sidewalks. And, of course, as people should know, it's illegal to ride these scooters on sidewalks because, well, that's where pedestrians are supposed to walk. You're not supposed to ride your bike on sidewalks. And these scooters, you know, people are trundling around and they're going pretty fast and they're dodging pedestrians and things like that. And it's really it's an accident waiting to happen. And I was just struck by the fact that they're just showing all this video and they're not trying to make this point. The the point of the story is just that the scooters are here. It's not that it's illegal to ride them on the sidewalks. That's kind of like an afterthought. But I'm watching all these people ride these things on the sidewalk, and I'm just waiting for some pedestrian to get hit and to get injured. On top of that, I understand why people don't necessarily want to ride these in either the bike lanes or on the street. Because, you know, if you think you're vulnerable on a motorcycle, well, imagine being on one of these little tiny electric scooters, uh, you know, buzzing around. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. These Lime scooters have now been here for a couple weeks. There's a couple more companies that are now putting bids in. They want to start distributing their scooters out here as well. I've been downtown a few times since this happened. The impressions that I have, number one, I don't see people riding these as they're supposed to. I see people on the scooters. Number two... It depends, but I have been places where I see these scooters just laying on the sidewalk, and you've got pedestrians that are going to have to step over them, all of which is not a good idea. So let's tee this up. The scooters are apparently the way of the future. The city's decided we want to bring these in. Some people think they're going to be a lot of fun. I am seriously, seriously, the more these things come in here, the more I am wondering whether they're going to be a lot more trouble than they are worth, especially when inevitably people riding the scooters get hurt. You have property damage, and there's already a couple claims out there, and you have, again, either pedestrians or scooter riders injured. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by the way, let me give you one other detail that the Channel 12 report noted. At least so far, I do not believe the Milwaukee Police Department has issued one ticket, not one ticket, for improper operation of scooters. Now, on the one hand, I understand 
This is Milwaukee, where Lord knows you've got shootings going on, you know, every night, where you've got reckless driving, where you've got stolen cars. So I understand enforcing traffic laws when it comes to scooters is not necessarily a high priority. But so far, this appears to be like laws that are just being completely and totally ignored. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think there might be a role for scooters around here, but in general, Urban streets, these little scooters, sidewalks, bad idea. 414-799-1620. Let's take a very quick break. We'll be back with your calls in just a minute. Once again, we're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. More Jeff Wagner right after this. Every hour. Milwaukee police officer and two kids are among those hurt after a chase that led to a crash on the city's north side. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. We're back broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Here's a text. Jeff, just got back from Washington, D.C. They had the same thing all over the city. These uh, scooters were strewn all over the sidewalks. People were having to climb over them. It was an absolute mess. I don't know if you saw it. Today's TMJ4 reported the other day there there's, was an a collision. What happens is apparently there's two people on one of these scooters. Okay, they're not built for two. They're slaloming. They're they're driving. You know, slalom in a slalom fashion on the sidewalk. Not supposed to do that. Apparently, no surprise. They lose control, crash into the side of this Uber driver's van, causing all sorts of damage. Then they get up and they run. They just they 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 say, okay, this is who we are. Then they just drive off. And so far, guys trying to make a claim from an insurance company, police don't write it up as an incident report. The insurance company right now is saying, well, you know, we don't know if it's property damage or whether we're responsible. Complete and total mess. Let's start with uh, Zach in Milwaukee. Zach, you're on WTMJ. Hi there. So I uh, Hi, Zach. these lime scooters the first day. It got me and my buddy to go downtown, really, and I kind of assume that's at least one of the points. And we parked the car, grabbed one of the scooters, went to the third ward to eat something, and we ended up... Uh, having to walk almost two miles in order to find another one. So, you know, when you drive down there, you kind of see them dispersed all, all over the sidewalks and whatnot. But at the same time, it's kind of like there's, there's almost not enough of them that if you are using them to have fun and have transportation, then sometimes you have to walk. You know, so they're not even the right. It's not even in the right place, right? You you yeah. didn't, you would have never, under normal circumstances, tried to walk two miles to find one of the silly no, things. No. no, we had to walk two miles to get them to go back to the car three miles the other way. So that was right. Kind of the oh problem. no, I, I I got it, Zach. Thanks for the call. Look, and and I see here here's the deal with with these, and I, I've tried to make this point before. I think there is a role for them. I mean, I could see. I can see them down at the lakefront. I can see them during the summer months outside Discovery World, for example, so people can go tooling up and down the lakefront and things like that. I, I get that, but my concern is, as far as a means of transportation in, in urban areas, it looks to me like, and I'm going to go back to my basic premise, they're more trouble than they're worth because, again, you, people don't know how to ride them. You have people that are, I suspect some people that ride them, they're drunk. You've got, in the case we were talking about before you got two people on these things people aren't wearing helmets they're using the sidewalks as kind of a race course and so they're you know which you're you're just not allowed to do so you've got pedestrians that are kind of in the way of all this i i just think it's one thing if you want to go up and down the lakefront as a lark i understand that makes sense to me 
But, you know, driving these things, and by the way, I understand why people are driving them on the sidewalks. If I had one of these silly things, and you've got buses, and you've got trucks, and you've got cars, and you've got motorcycles, I mean, who, who wants to go up Wisconsin Avenue or Well Street or one of these things on a scooter? You're taking your life in your own hands. So instead, you ride it on the sidewalk, and then you put pedestrians at risk. I think the Common Council, I understand they want the dough, but they better be really, 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 did I say really, really careful before they decide to open up the city to hundreds more of these. Richard on the east side. Richard, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Um, Hi, Richard. live on the east side, so I've seen a lot of them. The first week or so, I saw most of them on the sidewalks. Uh, once I did start to see them on the streets, what I was seeing is that they're running stop signs. Probably I haven't sure. seen them run um, a stoplight, but I bet they'll do that, too. Um, so I... We have the issue of drivers running stoplights uh, and yeah. stop signs, and now, and of course, bikes always do, or at least the stop signs. Now we got these scooters doing the same thing. So, as- oh yeah, I, and you know, you you know, Richard, that the story like I just told about the Uber driver that got hit by one of these things, you know, that's not. It's probably not the first, and you know, it's not going to be the last. Oh, I know, and I I'm just hoping that it's a very short run of the scooters here in town. Yeah. Now, thanks for the call. Again, and I mean, it, it, it's a nice idea. I get it. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. Chicago rolled these things out about 90 days before we've rolled them out. And Chicago is having all these problems we're talking about. And I, I'm getting just overwhelmed with texts out here, people sending me pictures of, you know, just scooters piled up in, in different areas. You know, it's not, it's not like the bikes you can rent, like the bubbler bikes. Those, you have docking stations. And, you, you know, you, you, have to, you have to go from station to station. You can't just abandon one on a sidewalk. Here, the idea of the scooters is, well, you just abandon it and people find it. Well, all right, people just, they're dumping them. And look, and, and I understand that the police, like I say, are busy. This is not an indictment of the Milwaukee Police Department, but but they don't, they don't have time to enforce these various laws. So people just say, all right, well, I mean, I, I know I'm not supposed to do this, or, or maybe people don't. Maybe they legitimately don't know how to ride these things and don't realize what the rules are, so they're riding them on the sidewalks. I appreciate that given everything else that a Milwaukee police officer has to do, you're not going to spend, you don't want to spend 15 minutes getting information, stopping somebody and giving them a ticket for however much for riding on the sidewalk. And so it, it's just going to continue, and it's going to end up getting, worse. Um, Robert in Bayside. Robert, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks. Uh, you're a North Shore Hi, guy. Robert. You can picture this. Uh, going home from work, um, going down the lakefront, and what's in the right lane holding up about two miles worth of traffic is a scooter right oh. on the road. <laughs> and everybody's doing, I don't know, what, 12 miles per hour, whatever that scooter can go. Um, just the beginning of a nightmare, <laughs> I think. Okay, you know? so you all right. I'm trying to picture this. So we're, we're talking about like either Lake Drive or Lincoln Memorial Drive, like going up that hill and stuff. You've got people who are leaving the the city, <laughs> and yep. there's a so scooter in about, in traffic, almost in line with say the uh, the lagoon um, traffic. Oh, sure, down got the it. From the Art Center, right? Pat- from sure. Nightmare. That's so there's a, nightmare. there is a there is a scooter. Where, okay, especially in, in the summer, you got lots of people going to and from. You've got a scooter in one lane of traffic going 15 miles an hour. Wonderful. <laughs> thanks for the call. Oh, that, that, oh, well, it is. All right. I'm, I'm trying to think. Thanks for the call. If, if I, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm trying to imagine because I used to work downtown. You know, when I was practicing law, I'm trying to think if okay, I, I'm trying to get to a court hearing, and I'm wondering why the heck is traffic all backed up on Lincoln Memorial Drive? What's going on? Is there a collision? Is something happening? Is there a police action? No, it's a scooter trucking along at 17 miles an hour. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, look, I would never endorse road rage, but you might understand this type of thing. Or you're trying to get home, and there's a scooter and. and Look, I just I understand they want the revenue, and I understand that these things might be you know lots and lots of fun to put around on. And like I say, I mean, if you you know you want to go up and down like the the lake, you know, over but but they they don't belong in traffic, they don't belong in urban areas. And again, I, somebody just texted me said that uh, his daughter goes to the University of Indiana, and I, I was going to say, okay, maybe on the UWM campus it makes sense. You know, I mean, again, it's you, you bundle around, get there. He said, you know, his daughter goes to the University of Indiana. They they had a bunch of these, and what they found is people just dumped them everywhere. Folks were tripping over the things, and they they ended up getting rid of them um, because again, it was more trouble than it's worth. I understand this is early in the experiment, but candidly, I hope people at the Common Council don't just see dollar signs. And before they go ahead and authorize a greater invasion of the city by these things, they, they make sure they know what they're doing. That's just my take on it. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. We're broadcasting live from a gorgeous day at the Wisconsin State Fair. I, I will say this, Melissa, the crowds that we attract during this program particularly attractive. Give yourselves a round of applause here. All right, there you go. You know, oh, yeah, they're looking good. Absolutely. No, they are particularly attractive, absolutely. And like I say, we're going to be broadcasting live during the run of the fair. All right. I, I get when I, when I watch these political debates, I, I get frustrated that there's nobody there that pushes some of these candidates on on certain issues. And, and one of the ones that I find to be the most frustrating is this entire dialogue about immigration and the border. You have, as a, as a talking point, you have pretty much everybody, or at least not almost everybody, who's been at, the, for example, the Democrat debate over the last two nights, um, that have just ripped President Trump about the conditions at the border. Oh, this is this is terrible. Now, let's back into this for just a minute. The, the way the law works is, if you come into this country and you ask for asylum, the law pretty much says you get to stay until they decide on, on whether you get asylum or not. 85, 90% of the people don't get asylum. So they're ultimately going to be sent back to where they've come from or refused admission. But the law says once you get here, you can apply for asylum. When that law was passed, there were about 20,000 people a year who came in asking for asylum. Now there's 20,000 in a week. So these detention facilities they have down at the border, they're, they're like police stations. I mean, they're not giant 
camps. They're not internment camps. They're not prisons. They're just like little police stations because we were never geared to deal. We were, we were geared to deal with dozens of people coming in a week, not tens of not thousands or tens of thousands of people. It's just not set up for what is going on at the border now. So I, I hear all these politicians who are saying, well, I was down at the border or I've seen pictures of what's at the border. And this stuff is all it's just terrible. You know, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't hold people like this and you shouldn't separate families. And this is just disgraceful. But but nobody wants to say what the plan is. Yeah, I mean, you want to say, okay, well, this is terrible. This is going on, and you know, people shouldn't have to be held. But but nobody wants to say what their plan is to fix it. And the reason is because a lot of the folks that are complaining, what their plan is, is they want to have open borders. They they want to do away with like these asylum rules. They want to do away with the waiting periods. They want to say, if you come into this country through the southern border, you should just be admitted. Fine. Let's forget about all this other stuff. We are, you know, we're the melting pot of of the world. This country was built on immigration. You know, why should we say no to, you know, thousands and thousands of people crossing our borders on a daily basis? And by the way, you've got a lot of these same people who also raise their hand and say, oh, yeah, we also think that the government should provide free health care to, you know, anybody in this country, regardless of whether they're here legally or not. But, you know, when you you don't hear people being pushed on, on those issues. And there's a big demonstration that's going to be going on, or I think has already gone on in Milwaukee today, where you have a number of these immigrant rights groups, I'm putting that in your quotation marks, who are, you know, marching through the streets and they're going to end up at, you know, the the office of of ICE in downtown Milwaukee, you know, demanding that, you know, they they change their practices. Well, okay, there's really two alternatives. It's either keep doing what they're doing and maybe give them some more resources so they can house more people or essentially just open up the border and let people come in. Let's stop fooling around. Let's who cares about illegal immigration? Let's just say if you get here and you want to come in, you can come in. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and this is the discussion that I want to have. Yeah, I mean, I look at these pictures about what's going on at the border and these detention things. I look at a system that just wasn't geared to what we're dealing with now. And I look at a system that is candidly overwhelmed. Is the answer to simply just open up the borders? And to say, all right, well, you know, we, we don't exactly know what's going to happen to the folks, but they're looking for a better life. You know, they're, they're fleeing, maybe not political persecution, but, you know, they're trying to find this better life. How can we, as a humanitarian, as a caring company, country, how can we turn them away? Should we just open up the borders to anybody who wants to come in? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me take a quick break. We'll be back. I'm going to give, give Gru back in the studio an opportunity to line up the calls. We'll be back in just a moment with your calls. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us, broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair, 414-799-1620. Let's start with Michael in Sheboygan. Michael, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Um, Hey, I just wanted to let you know that I, I really disagree with your sentiment that Every single uh, Democrat out there is in that, you know, we should have open borders. You know, the fact is, is that you have moderate Democrats, well, centrist Democrats that are calling for increased funding 
into our immigration courts, into the system, and to strengthen the asylum laws in order to expedite the people through this process. Yeah, that's not the leading candidate, so that's not Elizabeth Warren, that's not Bernie Sanders, that's not Kamala Harris. That's And I, and I understand there, there's some Democrats who are just terrified that yeah, but, they're going to okay, get dragged can, to the left. Can you, can you agree with me that all policies don't come to fruition the way that they are necessarily campaigned on, right? So the fact is, is that while you're <laughs> yeah. asking for open borders, while some of them are, are, are advocating that, the reality is is that there's going to be a compromise, and that's where there should be discussion on how we can best serve the people that are trying to come here for a better life. Well, that's what we're having right now, which is, it, is open borders a way to accommodate that? And you would say I, I, I no, too. You're not in favor of that, I don't agree. right? I don't, I don't think that open borders works. No, I agree with that. Right. But I think that, okay, well, and that instead, I, of, instead of doing what we're doing now and not doing anything, we should be working to increase the funding to these immigration courts, hire more judges to be able to expedite these cases so that people aren't sitting in detention camps. And I call well, them or, camps, or, I thoroughly believe they are. Right, or or sitting in detention camps or just released into the United States to never show up again for their hearing. So thanks for the call, Michael. Look, I mean, I understand. But here, here's the real-world problem, and this is the, just the real-world problem that is out there. Um, there when we, we created the asylum laws, going back to the premise I was trying to say before, the, the idea was there was twenty. There would be like 20,000 people that applied for asylum in a given year. Now there's 20,000 that, that show up you know, in, in a week or in a two-week period. It's overwhelming. Do you need more immigration judges? Yeah. But the reality is, you're, you're, given the, the mass influx at the border right now, you're, you're not going to... You know, hire judges enough to deal with it. The system just isn't equipped to, to do that. So it seems to me you've got really three choices. One is the open borders thing, which a number of prominent Democrat candidates are pushing. And there's marches, you know, in town today. Let's open the borders. Let's do this. Okay, I don't. I think that's a non-starter. That's one option. Option number two is, yeah, let's increase funding. And I, I yeah, you can hire more judges, and that's all well and good. And I'm not necessarily opposed to that. But you're also going to need to build more camps, whether you want to call them detention facilities or whatever. Or you change the law to say, all right, you know, we're not going to allow you to come into the country while your asylum request is being processed. That would be a necessity of changing the law. Now, the, the easiest thing that a number of people are advocating is let's just open the borders and let's everybody in. And by the way, you're, one of the images that you're going to see play out over the election in the next year is that question from the first debate where, you know, they asked, OK, is everybody in favor of, you know, giving free health care to people who are in this country illegally? And everybody raises their hand. 414-799-1620. Joel in Cedar Grove. Joel, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Joe. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I think that, you know, what we have to do is recognize that this is a problem not only here in this country, but literally all over the world. And we need to change the entire system. You know, people emigrating from one country to another end up reporting to the United Nations rather than, you know, it's, it's the United States' problem today or Sweden's problem tomorrow or Germany's problem the next day. Yeah, um... 
Yeah, I just I wonder where the I I wonder where you you're talking about like an international response and something yeah. like that. I just I wonder where the United States United Nations would be on something like that. You know, because you you've got on, on the one hand you've got you know the interest in keeping you know national borders and sovereignty, and the other hand you've got I know some countries that probably want to see people leave or you know want right. to yeah leave our country and go into the U.S. Right, but the, you know the thing is that there's got to be an organized process to handle, and and the biggest thing is just to address the needs of their identity. You constantly hear the term undocumented. Well, let's let's set up a, a plan so that these people can have a permanent identity in the first place, and then right after that, have their health care needs addressed because there's there's lots and lots of problems with people that have had any access to any kind of decent health care, and. And then, you know, you need to provide the opportunity that work. You know, there's got to be a work like, well, uh, and there have to be right, and there have to be there have to be the availability of jobs. No, I mean, th- thanks for call. Look, and I, I mean, I, I, I've been saying for the longest time. Our immigration policies are a complete and total mess. One of the things that I've been very disappointed about is that for the first two years of the Trump administration, when you had, you know, Republicans in the control of the House of Representatives and the Senate, that you couldn't have some sort of meaningful immigration reform. Now, with Democrats in control of one house and the Republicans in control of the other, that, that's just, as a practical matter, that's just not going to happen because everybody's so dug in on their different political, you know, issues and they, they can't give an, an inch, which is, which is unfortunate because we're just not equipped right now to deal like i say with this mass influx of people trying to get into this country and i understand that there is a role for immigration and i understand that people come into this country looking for a better life you know in many cases there are people who do jobs that other people who are already here don't want to do so i mean i do think there needs to be a reasonable immigration component i don't think though that we can just simply say okay anybody who wants to come into this country come on in and we'll give you a free health care and we'll figure out what to do with you and we'll allow you to go on the public dole and stuff that the country, even though I believe it's economically the strongest in the world, no country could survive that. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at the Wisconsin State Fair, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon. Welcome back, Melissa. I just had the very coolest experience. I hope my management isn't listening because this experience, it's kind of like you don't almost don't even have to pay me. Today. Okay, I okay. want to hear about this. So, you know, while you're doing the news, I, I go out and I'm just I'm, oh, yeah. talking to people. I was talking to one of the West House police officers and a number of our listeners. So on my way back, and I, I guess we always have this image of who our listeners are and things like that. And as a matter of fact, we, we have this on film. I think they're going to be putting it up on, on the website. And this, this young lady comes up, Jeff. Jeff, 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 <laughs> I'm your biggest fan, oh. you know, and her name is Annika. Today is her 17th birthday, and we, we just, we were taking pictures and talking. She uh, goes to Walk- Waukesha North, but she's 17 years old. She said, I said, well, when did you start listening to the show? About a year ago. I just absolutely oh, love it. So, great. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, now, th- this is th- th- this is what you aspire to if you do what I do for a living. It's kind of like, like multi-generations, because I'm hoping maybe Annika's, Parents listen to me, and, and maybe your grandparents listen to me as well. And, and now I've got her listening well, I to think, me. Like so. you said, in your head, you have this demographic idea of who your yeah. listeners are. And then 
That just got blown out the window. Well, no, well, it's, but I mean, we, you know, <laughs> we, we know there's a lot of, com- but it, that's it. What I always say, see, because typically what happens when you do th- this type of spoken word format, what we find is that, I, I don't know, sometime in the mid to late 20s is when people start finding this, you know, you, you get you get a job, you start being concerned about taxes, maybe you're you're married, you're getting married, you're starting to raise kids, you're thinking about buying a home, you become concerned with issues like crime and, and all that type of mm-hmm. stuff, whereas... You know, when you're 21 years old, and this isn't a knock, I, I was 21 too, your, your concern is, okay, what are we going to do Friday night? And, you know, well, you know, can I get a date or whatever? And I have to admit, I mean, when I was 21, I wasn't listening to talk radio. Right. But now, that's amazing. I've always said, give them, let me get them young and I'll that's have great. them. So happy get birthday. Get them hooked. Right. Ha- happy birthday to Annika. And that just, that little interaction just completely and totally made my day. Speaking of college, all right, it's legal. But it shouldn't be. At least that's what I think. All right, the Wall Street Journal yesterday did this this big expose about the way rich people or well-off people. I, I, I never know, you know what, what makes somebody rich or wealthy or well-off or whatever. But it's an expose on the way people with money have been scamming the college system. Now, you have all these colleges that have money that's available to qualified students who have financial need right so if you if you have a kid that's you know gone through college you know or or maybe you have to do it yourself when you went through college you know you get admitted to the school and then you sit down and you fill out these financial aid forms and the school looks at it and they decide you know whether you're going to qualify for scholarships or financial aid or whatever but one of the dominating things that they look at is the assets of your parents. You know, so if, if you're, if you, I don't mean to pick on doctors here, but let, let's say, you know, you're the, you're the son or you're the daughter of a couple doctors and they're, you know, they're pulling in, you know, three quarters of a million dollars total. I mean, and they've got a big house and they've got all these assets. Chances are you're not going to qualify for financial aid based on need because, all right, your, your parents have a lot of money, all right, or at least they, they earn a lot of money and they have assets and things like that. Well, one of the things that's been happening recently is there's a couple of these companies that have started up essentially helping people exploit, we'll call it a loophole, in the system. So here's what people have started doing. Um, they have, let's say you've got a 16-year-old daughter. Let's say you've got money, you know, and you know that you know, you and your spouse know that you've got enough money that you're not going to your kid's not going to qualify for any sort of financial aid package just because of your assets. So what people have started doing is up two or three years before your child might be willing to go to ready to go to college, what they've been doing is they've been transferring guardianship of the kids from them to someone else who has less assets. So let's say, for example, and I know this sounds mind-boggling, but let's say, for example, that, you know, you, again, you know, you're, you're, you've got a lot of assets, you and your spouse have a lot of money, and your, your brother-in-law doesn't. And so what would happen, or, or your sister, or, or whoever, your aunt, whatever, doesn't. So people work up these agreements where you say to, you know, Aunt Becky, hey, Aunt Becky, um, what we want to do is we want to transfer guardianship of little Julie. We want you to become her guardian instead of us. 
And all you have to do is get some form that chances are you can find online. You can go to a lawyer to do it, but you can probably find it online. And you file it, and you transfer guardianship. And then, you know, um, Aunt Becky becomes the legal guardian of little Julie. All right, so what happens then in two years when, you know, Little Julie decides to fill out her college age aid form since you're, you know, not her legal guardian anymore. And let's say Aunt Becky has very few assets, doesn't have anywhere near as much as you do. Since Aunt Becky is the legal guardian, you list Aunt Becky's assets. Follow me on this instead of your parents' assets. And as a result, you have all these kids who are coming from well-off, wealthy families who would not be able to qualify for financial aid, you know, if they were with mom and dad, but because mom and dad have worked out this system where they have transferred the guardianship, which is just filling out a couple forms, well, then all of a sudden, you know, they, once it's transferred, you know, they, they get, the, the kid then pleads poverty. One of the stories that, um, you know, they're, they're talking about is that you have this family, like they find one where the household income is like 600000 bucks, and they've got a $1.2 million house. But what they did is they transferred uh, their daughter's guardianship to a, a business partner, you know, who didn't have anywhere near those assets. And then when it came to filling out the college forms, all the kid had to do was list, you know, very, very small assets, and they got all this financial aid that they would not have otherwise gotten. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As a follow-up to this, the Wall Street Journal has a big story today about the woman who, who came up with this, exploiting this, what they call it's a, a guardianship loophole. And, you know, she says, well, I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with this. The system, this is what it's set up to do. Our number is 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't know that this is illegal. I mean, some people are suggesting that it's it's fraud, pure and simple. I do know that I think it should be illegal. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There may be legitimate circumstances where a, a child's guardianship needs to be transferred for various reasons, but if the principal purpose is just to essentially hide assets so the kid can qualify for money that they wouldn't otherwise be entitled to, that's just wrong, isn't it? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess... If I had a child that was trying to figure out, you know, where I can they go to college, depending on what financial aids pa- aid package they get and things like that, if and I found out that there were people who, again, were getting aid, getting financial aid because they had done something like this, I would be absolutely and totally outraged. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 117. This is Jeff Wagner. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the State Fair. Okay, at the top of the hour, I mentioned Annika, the young lady, 17th birthday, who said she's been listening, really kind of made my day. I was just looking over at some text. Jeff, I've been listening since I was um, age 20. That's Laura. 
Um, we have Devin from Racine who says he's now 23. He started listing at the age 16. That's so, amazing, see, Jeff. We're getting them young. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Okay, well, speaking of that, they can all relate to this topic. Wall Street Journal, is. It's. I think it's kind of this explosive story about how a number of wealthy parents are essentially scamming the college admission system. What they're doing is a couple years before their kid is college eligible, they are transferring the guardianship of the child. All you have to do is fill out a couple papers to, I don't know, some a business partner, an aunt, an uncle, whatever, people who have less assets. And if you apparently do it two years before you're going to apply for college admission and financial aid, your income, they don't look at your income, mom and dad's income, they look at the income of the kid, which is like next to nothing. Let's start with Linda in Wauwatosa. Linda, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi, Jeff. This actually hi, just makes me sick to my stomach. We have four children and we started saving for their college education when they were born. And two of them are out. One's a senior. One's going to be a sophomore. And we don't pay 100% of it, but we pay their tuition and their housing, and they pay for everything right. else. This is what gives wealthy people a bad rap and why everybody wants to increase the taxes on the millionaires and billionaires, because right. if you have the money, then just Pay the tuition. Pay what you should be paying for your child's education. Yeah, I mean, as opposed to trying to figure out some way to take advantage of a system, a well-intended system that's designed to help people who come from homes that have less resources help them go to school. I mean, I I would be outraged at this as well. And I I guess I can't I can't believe I can't believe people do this, but obviously they do. It seems like a lot of you know, jumping through hoops for something that you could afford. Well, you know, it's interesting. In the story I'm looking at in the Wall Street Journal, and, and they're focusing on one. It's a it's a family in Chicago, household income greater than a quarter million dollars a year. And what they did is they transferred the guardianship of their kid to some business partner so, that, so they could do this kind of scam. And, and they justify it by saying, well, she has a number of older siblings, and we spent over like $600,000 putting them through various schools. So... I guess, why should we have to pay for, for our youngest kid? And it, I'm like, really? Yeah, that, that doesn't yeah. make any sense. You know, you have the children, you plan for their future, and let the people who deserve the scholarships get the scholarships. Well, well right. And, and if you get to a point where... All right. Uh, maybe maybe it means that like little Julie needs to if there's a, if there really is a financial crunch or whatever. Maybe it means that little Julie maybe she can't go to Harvard. Maybe it means that she goes to some other school. Or maybe heaven forbid it means that she she works you know or, or, or something like that. You know. That's, right. Now thanks for the call, Linda. I appreciate. I mean, again, it's and and I think I, I love what you said at the beginning about this is. I, I understand that there's a lot of people. Especially in politics nowadays, that like to play the class warfare, you know, card the the idea that you know if you know anybody that's got ten dollars more than you is rich, and that you know we need to take that money from them because they they haven't earned it legitimately. And I, I always I always rebel against that. But then you hear you know stories. You hear stories of like this, and it just goes, okay, well, you know, at least there, there's some people that they're exploiting this. You know, maybe they deserve to have some money taken from them. Jeff in Waukesha. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yeah, I think it's wrong from the financial side of it, but from the human side of it, 
uh, for someone, and, and I'm thinking about myself, for me to give up guardianship to one of my children, to someone else, I, I just could never do that. I mean, they, for example, let's just say one of those kids needs a medical procedure. Now the guardian's got to make that decision. Or the kid wants to go off on some study abroad trip to, I don't know, Iraq or someplace where I wouldn't want him to go. I, it's, I lose that control. Well, yeah, no, my, 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 yeah, I mean, in the real world, see, my guess is, Jeff, you know, this whole thing, my guess is the whole thing is a scam because, you know, the, the business partner or the aunt, you know, probably signs the papers and agrees to be the guardian. But my guess is in the real world, nothing really changes. You know, it, it's just purely something that there is on paper, which is what makes it even more fraudulent. Cause yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, if I'm going, am I going to be the guardian for somebody and all of a sudden the kid, you know, has all yeah. these medical needs or you got to make these decisions? No, I, it, it, the whole thing is just a complete and total yeah, scam. I mean, and it's if disappointing the, kid, the people though, who do it. Yeah, if I'm the kid and, you know, my mom and dad say no, it's like, well, screw you. I'm going to go talk to that guardian. <laughs> yeah, know? well, right. I, thanks for calling. Right. Well, no, I get it. And, yeah, well, right, and that's that's always, I guess, one of the risks that, that you end up running. Like, like I say, my guess is the people that are doing this, um, mom and dad are still mom and dad in everything but perhaps the, the most technical legal term. And it does seem to me to be a lot of work. And just just a lot of work to you know avoid you know some financial obligations, but money makes people do weird things. And I guess the bottom line is now that this has been exposed. Like I say, I don't think what these people have been doing so far is criminal. I think it should be. And now that we know that it's out there, I mean, I think the federal government should be closing this loophole like yesterday. All right, back with more in just a moment. We're going to be joined by Kathleen O'Leary in just a little bit as we talk about the first day of the fair, and then I don't know more drama and violence on the streets of Milwaukee. We're broadcasting live from the State Fair. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back broadcasting live from day one of the Wisconsin State Fair. Well, it would not be the State Fair unless we had an opportunity to talk with my partner in crime, my pal from Cream Puff of Palooza yesterday, the CEO of the Wisconsin State Fair, Kathleen O'Leary. Hello. Good morning on this Wonder Fair day, opening day of the Wisconsin State Fair. Oh, I got it. You threw that in there. Wonder (laughs) Fair. I I just, you know, I was looking at all the pictures and all the reaction. I, I was, as I was walking around the fairgrounds earlier, you know, people were thanking me for the the cream puffs, you know, that we ended up giving out. And I said, well, you're, you're welcome. It really didn't come for me. I, I was just there. But, uh, you know, we were there yesterday. Um, you, you pull into the parking lot at, at 530 and there's hundreds of cars parked. I mean, state these the state fair cream puffs this is an incredible tradition it's a 95 year incredible d- tradition we are we are celebrating it this year and it really is it's it's everything agriculture in a dairy delicacy that people have come to love they wait all year long for it it is really enjoyable and kind of goes along with the whole fair you know idea of individualistic love of whatever it is. Do you like entertainment? Do you like food? When it comes to how you eat a cream puff, that's individualistic as oh, well. Oh, there's really only one right way to do it. You split them up and then you kind of dip, yeah. Now there's the hamburger style, too. Yeah, it's just too messy. I, I'm, I'm not... I, I, well, I guess, you know, what? see, this is what people say. My, my wife... When she orders wine, she likes to put ice in it. And some people say, we well, don't put ice in wine. And my attitude is, you know, once you buy it, it's yours. You know, you, you can do whatever you want with it, you know. And so I guess that's right. You know, once you buy that cream puff, if you want to eat it like a hamburger, okay, go ahead. Kathleen, you have a tremendous 
day. It is just gorgeous, and the weather forecast for at least the, the first portion of the run of the fair looks like it's going to be absolutely outstanding. And I'm feeling very blessed, and, and she, Mother Nature is gracing us, but ultimately she's gracing you and the listeners and the fairgoers and the people that want to be here. This is, this is ideal. I mean, people want to come to the Wisconsin State Fair, but when it's super hot or it's raining, I mean, we have a lot of facilities, climate controlled if it's hot, you know, if it's raining, so it wouldn't change your plans, but to have an ideal day like this with low dew points, cumulus Cloud, yeah. a nice breeze, 78 degrees. You can come, you know, and hopefully you've come early and you're here. Um, but, you know, you can eat and you can drink and you can walk around and you can just enjoy everything. I, I have, from my vantage point, I see the Sky Glider. Mm-hmm. And the Sky Glider, I've been watching this since I sat down here right around noon. And it has been almost full. I mean, I mean, every car almost full for the entire two hours. People just like, Getting to see the fairground and, and looking at folks. It's just, there's so much fun stuff to do. And do you see? Look at them. They're smiling. They're dangling their feet. They're happy. You see people right there walking around with their wares that they've gotten from the exposition center, their mops and their chamois. That is the ideal way. This is why we work tirelessly right. all year long, just so that we can see all of us joy. But it's, you know, the, what the Wisconsin State Fair is it's a celebration of everything that we should be so proud of in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. It's horticulture. It's agriculture. It's the entertainment. It's the food. It's all of that. And that's what we should be celebrating right I, now. I saw that the DNR is back in a big way this year because they, they kind of dialed back participation for a couple years. But that that's that that's different. That's changed this year. Secretary Cole has been awesome to work with, and he definitely wants to take his mission and his mes- message into a much bigger way. He wants to be able to showcase DNR, and that's when I say the celebration of everything we should be so proud of. We are a showcase. So yes, in the exploratory park, DNR has a nice presence in the front building. Um, they're really talking a lot about clean water and those efforts. So they're there. The exploratory park is is incredible as well because you see all of this. You see the people. You see the robust vibrancy of the fair and then you go into the exploratory park and it's tranquil mm-hmm. and it's just it's quiet and it we have a beautiful inspired japanese inspired pond it's called the paradise pond and then all of the benches are all handmade by a carver here from wisconsin smoky the bear's 75th birthday so smoky the bear's schoolhouse is there and we had a carver come in and he carved a, a tree that was dying but he carved it into this beautiful tree that a bear was, was climbing on so i highly suggest to the listeners to go and check out Exploratory Park. That's also where our history exhibit is as well. For people who don't understand your schedule, this it really is it's a 52 week a, a year job. It, it's not just like a couple weeks before the state fair you guys start start ratcheting it up. I mean you, once this fair ends, you, you pretty much go to work on planning state fair for 2020, right? Oh, trust me. We're right now looking at patterns, traffic patterns. We're looking at some of the things that we changed. Are they working? We're planning the 2020 Wisconsin State Fair right now as we are in the 2019 fair. But there's a lot of stuff. Now, today, there's still time. You've got a wonderful promotion to, to encourage people to come out and also do some good. That, that's still running now, right? Absolutely. And we've been working with Hunger Task Force for a number of years. And it's Wells Fargo's Day. Then Hunger Task Force is the beneficiary. If you bring in two non-perishable food items, they're really looking for peaches and pears, but not two non-perishable food items, you will get into the Wisconsin State Fair until 4 o'clock for $2. Okay. So $2, you're doing this wonderful lead of bringing in you know food. And we're in so, such a need for food right now in Milwaukee. So you've done your good deed for the day. And you get to enjoy the Wisconsin State Fair for $2. On a, on a truly 
Chamber of Commerce Day. That's I mean no because you know we've been doing this together for a long time and 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 let's face it, I mean there's some years where it's really really hot or it's raining or whatever and there's always stuff to do and like you say there's interior things but when it's seventy some degrees outside and no humidity that's when you really want people to come out. That's when we really want people to come out. So if you weren't planning on coming out I, now it's ideal because it's two dollars so you should come out. This wasn't your day to be here. Certainly just make it your day. Make it your afternoon. Just come out for a couple hours if your day is Tuesday or next Thursday. Right. And then come back on Tuesday or Thursday and, or whatever. And then when you fall in love with it and you want to come back all the rest of the remaining 10 days of the 11-day fair, I'm fine with that, too. I have in my hand the State Fair booklet. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just, I, it's, and this is also available online, right? Everything so is available online. You know, and I'm just, I, I mean, I'm going through this just day by day and looking at all the different sorts of entertainment you have at various times. And, and, and by and large, most of it's free. I mean, there, there's a separate charge for, like, the Main Stage Act mm-hmm. and stuff. But in general... You know, once you get in here, you can literally spend 8, 10, 12 hours wandering around and enjoying all the free stuff and sitting down and t- taking care of all the music and seeing all the animals. There, there's really something for everybody here. There is of every age, of of every race. If this is where you can come and be with a group of friends that are all the same age, or you could come with the little ones, and then you have aunts and uncles with you and grandmas and grandpas and everyone. There will be something at the Wisconsin State Fair that will provide joy regardless of what your age is. Okay, you know what my challenge is this year? Okay, oh, boy. I, I, No, no, no. I am on a very, if my doctor is listening, I'm on a very strict low-carb diet. And I'm trying to figure, I, I, I'm going to do the fair on a low-carb diet. Because normally I talk about like all the bad stuff on a stick. But I, I went down this morning to the Wisconsin Products Pavilion. I had an omelet. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't need, didn't need the little roll, but I had the omelet. I, I know what I'm going to have to eat tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to prove that you know you can even come out to the state fair and be you're just laughing at me you're just smiling but i'm going to prove that you can do it i'm actually laughing at you because then you should be the one that eats the bug taco because the bug taco is really low in carbs and very high in nutrients so you should do that because at the exotic food in the south end of the fair park on grandstand avenue they have tacos that have bugs in them and they're very low carb okay in other words once again my big mouth has gotten me into trouble is that what we're saying well we'll have to we'll have to think about that but i i'm going to give people up updates because i i you know i mean you can come out you can enjoy the fair you can eat stuff and i'm convinced i you got to plan it a little bit but i'm convinced you can do it on a low-carb basis i'm going to try and you can you all i mean i was smiling at you because of the bug taco (laughs) but you can i mean right across the way and you can have a a salad on a stick yeah so you can have a salad on a stick you're certainly you'll do very well in the wisconsin products pavilion with the cherry growers cranberry growers and the apple growers the apple growers have them it might be a little tough on the nachos because they're going to pour a lot of good stuff on there but right, well, okay we'll, we'll check back next week and we'll, we'll see how i'm doing <laughs> kathleen i'm sure we're going to talk over the course of the fair um it is always such a pleasure to see you you do a tremendous job and we want to encourage everybody to come out and enjoy the fair thank you so much and thank you to the listeners and hopefully you're making your plans to get to the wisconsin state fair between now and august 11th come out several days there's plenty of room for you back with more in just a minute this is jeff wagner jeff wagner on wtmj <laughs> So, very glad to have you with us. We're broadcasting live from the State Fair. Milwaukee Brewers baseball comes up in about 10 minutes or so. Brewers trying to win two out of three from the Oakland A's. And then they got to fly back from the West Coast. They've got an afternoon game at Wrigley Field in Chicago tomorrow that you can hear on WTMJ. We don't have time to delve into this today. We, we might revisit it tomorrow. But uh, yesterday we, we talked about police chases, and there was a story about 
guy who uh, they started pursuing a, a couple that was in, I believe, a stolen car that had been involved in an armed robbery. The people ran, and there ended up being an accident. And uh, ultimately what happened, the, the, the stolen car hit another car. That car banged into a parked car. Or the parked car went up on the sidewalk and hit two kids, a 7- and a 10-year-old that were on the sidewalk. Thankfully, nobody was injured too seriously. And we used that as a launching point for discussion about, is it just too dangerous to chase? My position is you can't let the bad guys just drive off. But I, unfortunately, you know, we're starting to, again, look at what's happening because there's so many people out there in Milwaukee who just have no regard for other people's lives. And the horrible story from yesterday is 19-year-old man killed early this morning. What happens is um, police find this car that's driving recklessly. And they, they, the plates come back that the car is stolen. So they go to pull the stolen car that's driving recklessly over. The driver of the car, who turns out to be a 19-year-old guy, takes off. The police then, okay, it's a stolen car. It's driving recklessly. They begin a police chase. This is 1 o'clock in the morning. What ends up happening is the driver of the stolen car, who's fleeing from the police, blows through a red light and ends up, you know, hitting another car. This one's driven by a 19-year-old guy who just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. The driver of the stolen car who was fleeing the cops, he's injured, but um, he's going to survive. The 19-year-old who was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, dies. It's a horrible story. It's just horrible. And again, some people who have their own, just I guess, attitudes towards this or agendas are saying, well, this is why the police should just let criminals drive off. I, I'm sorry, I just, I look, I feel for the family. This is a terrible story, but you can't just let criminals drive off. We tried that in Milwaukee for four or five years, and it, rep, and it resulted in chaos, anarchy, and incredible danger on the streets. You know, the police have to be responsible in deciding, you know, whether they're going to chase or not. But at the same time, you know, if you have a situation where you've got, in this case, a stolen car driving recklessly, Right, you have to try to catch that person. And if we're looking for somebody to blame for this horrible thing that occurred last night, well, it's the 19-year-old who was driving the stolen car and tried to flee the police. Now, presumably, if he's convicted, you know, he'll be in prison for most of the rest of his life, um, which is uh, appropriate. But the bottom line is you can't let criminals just drive off and, and wave at the police. And I understand that you're going to have stories like this, and, and it's, it's, it's tragic. But we can't, we can't blame the cops. We can't blame the chase policy. What we have to blame is the person who is responsible for this, which in this case was the 19-year-old driving the stolen car who decided to flee after driving recklessly in the first place. If you want to find blame on the death of the other young man, you know, put it where it belongs, which is on the guy that tried to flee the cops. Maybe we'll have an opportunity to open up the phone lines and talk more about this later. And I, I understand that stuff like this is going to happen when you allow chases. But you know what? You know, when we didn't allow chases, people were getting killed all the time by reckless drivers as well. People just, you know, driving with impunity. Uh, you, you just can't let it happen. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Today. This is Jeff Wagner. One of the things I love about coming out to the fair is you get a chance to interact and meet listeners. One of our regular texters. 
the self-identified Fat Lou. You're fat. You're, you're, you don't look so fat to me. My gosh, I, I think you should be calling yourself Slim Lou, for goodness sakes. Oh, jeez. I, I just love it. And, and by the way, that's why I have so much fun coming out to the fair. So if you um, are stopping by and a regular listener, you know, come on by the WTMJ booth when, when they're not working me, having me do all these like live reading commercials. I try to go out during the breaks and say hi. I will be here every weekday at the fair, um, sometimes noon to 3. Tomorrow is a little bit shorter show again because there's another afternoon game. I mean, think about it. The Brewers have to play in Oakland. Then they got to hop on a jet, and they got to fly back to Chicago, and then they've got to play you know, at Wrigley Field tomorrow afternoon. So the schedule makers were not particularly kind to them with back-to-back afternoon games, but... I, I mean, they are in the major leagues. Hey, the Brewers had a big win last night. It was a great game. You'd love to see them win another game today. I, I don't know. I know some people were overwhelmed at the moves they made at the trade deadline. But you know what? You never know. Got some pitchers. If the offense, I mean, they essentially kept the team intact, didn't dump players like Mustakas or Grandal. who knows? They get hot. You never know what could happen. You will be able to hear all the developments on WTMJ. That's it for me. Brewers baseball coming up in just a couple minutes. Have a great Thursday. This is Jeff Wagner. WTMJ.